real sports talk for real sports fans. It's Jimmy B and TC. Here's Jim and Trent. All right, everybody, it's our second hour as we continue all the way till the 6 o'clock hour this evening. Great having Pat Hardy and Matt Nelson on as we talked a lot about the Hawkeyes with Pat and about the Cyclones with Matt. That was good stuff. Uh, coming up shortly, uh, Sean Tomlinson, Bleacher Report, NFL. A lot of things going on in the NFL. We'll dive into all of that uh, with Sean. And then at 535, Trent and Wolfgang will throw it down. That's always an entertaining segment. So quickly, let me just uh, start with this, Trent, if you'll indulge me just for a moment, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We've had, and this is sad for me because Judd Heathcote, longtime hoop coach for Michigan State, passes away a couple days ago. And then today, Raleigh Massimino, uh, longtime at Villanova, then went to UNLV. He died today. So two of the real giants who both won NCAA championships, uh, passing away within days of each other. Now, I know that you weren't around for the Judd days. You were around a little bit, though, for Raleigh Massimino, right, at Villanova? I was around for the Judd days, too. How young do you think I am, Jimmy B? Uh, 28. Uh, add a decade to that, and then you'd have it. <laughs> no, I remember him well. You know, in the infancy of, of my love of basketball, that's when he was still at Michigan State throughout the 80s into the 90s, and that's when I started following basketball. That was during the time that I fell in love with college hoops. So absolutely, I remember Judd Heathcote well. I obviously don't remember the Magic Johnson teams, but you know, I remember Sean Respert, and I remember Eric Snow, and I remember those squads that he had uh, throughout the time. I remember one of those teams. I think it was the 89-90 team right in that range. They were a number mm-hmm. one seed, and they were almost knocked off that year by a 16 seed, a 16 seed that a few years later made some noise in Weber State, if my memory serves correctly. Was that uh, Harold the Show Arsenault? That's when he uh, went off and, yeah, he beat North Carolina, but no, he was wrong. Yes, and, he and, did. And my memory is wrong. It was a 16th seed that pushed him. It was Murray okay. State, though, that Murray took him State, to overtime. Yeah, they took him to overtime okay. that year. Uh, Michigan State prevailed 75-71 in that one, but... I was close. I remember it was a 16 seed that yeah. took him close. I was just off on the actual team. You know, that's okay. Uh, look, everybody remembers Massimino in 85 sure. when Villanova beat Georgetown, the Patrick Ewing team. And, I mean, look, they were a good club. Nova was a good club. They had players on that team. And I think it was their sixth man, Al Jensen, went for like 14 points off the bench. And Easy Ed Pickney was the star of that team. And so Raleigh had, he had players, and he was very successful. And then it was kind of like what happened to Heathcote. It finally caught up to him a little bit at Villanova. So then he went to the desert at UNLV, and he had some winning teams. But it wasn't, he could never recapture how good they were at, at Nova at that time. But here's the funny one. After he left UNLV, Raleigh tried to do a little broadcasting. And so he was one of the color commentators, former coaches, that joined ESPN at the time. And they paired him with me. (laughs) So I did Raleigh Massimino's first game as a ESPN color commentator. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's a long time ago, but still, uh, it did take place. I had a great time with the guy. 
He was a very funny guy, a very gracious person, and uh, and a guy you really enjoyed being around, Trent. Not only that, he was a terrific basketball coach as well. So how was he as a broadcaster? Well, uh, <laughs> let's just kind of say, <laughs> uh, starting out as a typical coach, he didn't want to say anything. Uh-huh. You, you know, I mean, you got to... You know, guys, they don't want to rat out anything on on coaches. It's it's difficult for them to be even somewhat critical of of a certain move or 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 on a play that was uh, taking place and it and it wasn't executed well. But he only did it, if memory serves me correctly, about two seasons, and uh, and that was all he did that for. And just it just wasn't Raleigh's deal. He right. he wanted just to run around and, and be Rolly, and uh, and and not really have to uh, watch game tape and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, to see what 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 teams are running. So I think I think after two years or so, that was enough for him. All right, I'll I'll take it a step further with you, Jimmy B. You've uh, okay. You've worked with a lot of longtime coaches, a lot of people throughout the years. Uh, who's the best color commentator that you've ever had? That this isn't disparaging to anybody. Ooh. You're just picking who is the best that can explain oh, it, man. break things down, make it interesting, concise, all those different things. Give me your favorite one. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a coach, correct? No, it it no. can just be a regular color broadcast. Sure. My my favorite is Terry Gannon, okay, who is st- who still works for ABC. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does basketball and golf and some other things for them. Uh, Gannon and I were the TV voice of the uh, Metro Conference, and then it became the what the Great Midwest Conference after yes, that. Yes, yes. And and Gannon and I did uh, did that a lot. We also did some Big Twelve together, and uh, and we didn't do Big Ten. We did. Um, yeah, we did some Big 12, uh, the Great Midwest, and then we did some MAC as well uh, together. But Terry Gannon, of course, is a former player on that uh, North Carolina State team that uh, upset Houston and won the championship with Jim Valvano as the head coach. Uh, and Terry was, you know, being a guard, uh, you have to know where everybody's supposed to be on the, on the, on the court, was very astute. Uh, really liked what he was doing, and he's really turned into a terrific uh, television broadcaster. So that's I don't think one. I had any. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I had anything to do with that. I think he was destined to be good. All right, now it's just you and me talking. Who is the worst? Okay. <laughs> oh, that's that's a pretty easy one for me. Is it? Are you going to say yes. who it is? Well. You'll you'll remember him from his days at Alabama, okay? And he wore the wild checkered coats. Oh, wimp! Uh... Yeah, Wimps, is it Sanderson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. <laughs> here's here's a great here's a great Wimp Sanderson story for you. Wimp didn't like doing this at all. Okay, I think he just did it. Yeah, I just think he did it to pass the time. Yeah. And we're doing a game together at Virginia Tech, and they're playing Louisville. And Louisville was with Denny Crum as the coach. And Louisville, you know, is a top-10 team. And they upset them. And the place is bedlam. Trent, the kids came over the railing, over us, 
across the uh, the press table and onto the court to go nuts. And I grabbed Wimp. He was freaking out. I mean, literally freaking out. And because he's not used to this, mm-hmm. I grabbed him and pulled him under the broadcast table where we were seated. What well, seated? So, uh, and and the look on his face was like sheer terror. I, 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 he couldn't. I don't think he could believe what was actually going on here. And and I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I and I said to him during a commercial break, "Wimp, we got to be ready here because they're going to storm the court." And but he'd never been in anything like that as a broadcaster, you know. Right. And 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 I mean, they just piled past us and jumped over the top of us, crawled across the broadcast table, uh, which we were courtside. Uh, it was it was nuts, Trent. Absolutely nuts. And I think Wimp only lasted maybe a year, maybe two tops, and okay. that was it. And I think I worked with him at least three, three or four times, something like that. But to get him to talk was like pulling teeth. I, I'm serious. I, I, if, if I asked him a question, then he would probably come up with an answer. But you know how, and you've done color mm-hmm. and play-by-play a lot. Yeah. And the color guy, the play-by-play guy calls the action. The color guy then tells you why it worked or why it didn't work. And Wimp, I, I called the action on, on one play, and I'll never forget this. And I said, uh, Wimp, what happened? Uh, Jim, it didn't work. <laughs> reminds me of That's major, what he said. Reminds me of Major League. Dynamite drop-in, Monty. That broadcast school's really paid off. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, it didn't work. Thanks, thanks, Wimp, for that oh. one. <laughs> oh, man. That is oh, a yeah. difficult spot when you when you set your color guy up and they yep. don't deliver. And Wimp was that guy. He, uh, he was kind of... It was an ugly end at Alabama for him. I mean, he was uh, it, it there was, for a long yes. time. Very successful, too. He had a lot mm-hmm. of good teams at Alabama, but was sexual sexual assault, yeah. something like yeah, some, yeah. Uh, there, yeah. It wasn't a good ending for Wimp. And uh, he resurfaced at Arkansas Little Rock for a few years. I'm looking at his win-loss record throughout his career. But, yeah, yeah. Wimp Sanderson, the worst in Jimmy B's career working with. Until you met me, right? No, no, no! Come on, stop that! The, no, no, he's not—he's not the worst person. He was—he just wasn't a a color commentator. That—that's all. That's—that's that's all. I—I I don't want to say he's the worst. I like Wimp uh, as a person. He just didn't bring anything to the television broadcast at that time. That's all. No, I got you. I got you. Well, Jimmy B., we got a a lot still to decipher, break down here over the next couple of days leading to our first football Saturday, a real one. You and I and Iowa State, the night game. You can hear that game right here on 1700 KBGG, your home and away voice for you and I, Panther football. Also, Kansas City Chiefs football. They'll be playing Mm -hmm. their final preseason game tomorrow night. And they made another trade today, their second trade. The NFL rarely has trades, and yet they're out there once again, and they're looking for a little help along the offensive line. Well, everybody was trying to go after the Cleveland Browns with what they were doing, and and the Steelers will get into all of that in just a little bit with Sean Tomlinson as the Steelers uh, get Joe Hayden. But, look, they the Chiefs have, have really surprised me. And I really, I really believe that they believe that this is their year, Trent. That the Broncos are not going to be as good. They're they're setting themselves up. They believe for a big battle with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. 
And I still think San Diego is going to factor in. I'm just not sure where yet. But I think in Kansas City, I, I think they truly believe that this is their year. And that's why you see them making moves. It is. It's Alex Smith, more than likely his last season there. They're going to give him a shot, you know, get a little help now here for the offensive line, working to prove that defense with the uh, trade for Raglan. Uh, Derek Johnson, he's certainly on his last legs over there. No Don Terry Poe up front as he moved on as a free agent. There, there's some changing faces there. Jamal Charles is over in Denver now, but kind of one last go of it with this group, with Alex Smith, because if if they go the way that you'd anticipate and Mahomes is the guy then for next season, there's mm-hmm. going to be some growing pains there. And more than likely, you're going to have plenty of highs but also some lows, and there's going to be valleys that you're going to go through with the Chiefs next year. I think it's a good thing to look at. Plus, you know, they're picking up former highly drafted guys for pennies on the dollar. For a fourth and fifth round pick now, they bring in a former first round pick in Cam Irvin for the offensive line today. And then a couple days back with Reggie Ragland coming in, who was a second rounder. They're bringing in guys that at least at the time were looked at as very talented and doing it for not a whole lot of price. You're absolutely right. So they've done... A very good job of shopping around and knowing where they need extra help, and they have addressed those issues. Mm-hmm. And, and look, I, I'm sold on Mahomes. I, I really am. And I think that he's, he will be the guy next year uh, when Alex Smith uh, plays this year out. And I think they're much more I – think, I think the coaching staff is pleasantly surprised that Mahomes has progressed – as well as he has this quickly. With that, Jimmy B, we need a break. We'll talk more NFL on the other side with Sean Tomlinson from Bleacher Report. He'll be our next guest. Right now, though, your chance to qualify. We have our Fantasy Football League of Champions. It's coming up next Wednesday, Wednesday, September 6th, out of Draft House 50. If you think you know fantasy football, we got you covered. Great prizes were given away that night. We'll have a trivia contest with all of our qualifiers and on top of it right now, just by qualifying, I'll give you a free pint of beer from Draft House 50. Give me a call right now at 515-264-1700. Again, 264-1700. Dial it up. We'll get a qualifier for the Draft House 50 League of Champions. You think you know fantasy football? You think you can beat me, TC? 264-1700, and I'll hook you up with some beer. We'll take the time out. More NFL talk next with Sean Tomlinson. Hey, it's Bill Ryder. Nice to be talking to the home crowd again in central Iowa, where I was raised, where I got married. The show is right than you, 5 to 9 p.m. weekdays on Des Moines' Big Talker 1700 KBGG. Kate here with Food Dudes Delivery. Are you tired of the same old delivery options? Well, Food Dudes Delivery can solve that problem for you. We deliver for restaurants that don't do delivery. Order through us at fooddudesdelivery.com. Food Dudes Delivery offers commercial and residential delivery service along with the option to pre-order. Our delivery rate is always a flat fee, so whether you're ordering $15 for yourself or $300 for a party, it's going to be the same flat fee. We deliver all throughout the metro area, always keeping your food hot and fresh. Food Dudes Delivery has a vast range of food options for you to choose from, so place your order for lunch today, dinner tonight, or your office tomorrow at fooddudesdelivery.com. 
Since 1993, Wolf Construction has been Des Moines' choice for residential and commercial roofing. From complete re-roofing to small leaks, call Wolf Construction at 225-8866 for your roofing needs. Call 225-8866 to set up your roofing consultation or online at wolfconstruction.net. That's wolfconstruction.net for Wolf Construction. A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. wolfconstruction.net. Brought to you by Indeed.com. Are you hiring? Join the over 3 million businesses that use Indeed.com for hiring. Post your next job opening on the world's number one job site, Indeed.com. Earnings vary based on your effort. Do you want to learn how to make money flipping houses right here in Des Moines? If so, we have an amazing opportunity for you. We're looking for a small group of motivated individuals to join our real estate investing team. You'll learn our simple three-step system for flipping homes right here in the local area. This is Than Merrill, star of A&E's hit TV show, Flip This House. My team and I are looking for a handful of people in the Des Moines area who want to learn how to make money flipping houses in your spare time using other people's money. Des Moines is a perfect market for my system, and this week, I'm holding a free two-hour educational workshop where you will learn how to make money flipping homes and how to build long-term wealth with income properties. To get two free tickets to Than's Workshop, call 1-800-539-2200. Seating is extremely limited. Call right now because this free ticket offer expires this Friday. That's 1-800-539-2200. That's 1-800-539-2200. Hey, it's Trent Condon here from Jimmy B and TC. If you've been talking and thinking about improving your health, I have an idea for you. Do what I did. Call New Leaf Wellness. My weight had been increasing, my endurance during workouts was waning, and I was just feeling sluggish. New Leaf Wellness put together a program to help me lose weight, improve my energy, and they can do the same for you. Call New Leaf Wellness today at... Basically a spetchy with, with what TJ Watt can do as well. Well, Sean, as you go through the other side of the trade, Kansas City now with two trades in a less than a week. They pick, and, pick up Reggie Ragland in a trade with Buffalo, and then today going out and bringing in an offensive lineman from Cleveland and Cam Irving. Guy was a first-round pick just a few years back, but here he is uh, looking to help out that offensive line. What does that say about Cleveland? And secondly, what does that say about Kansas City as they continue to look to improve their team going into the season? Well, I, I, first off, with, with, with Cleveland, I mean, the, it, the, the move is, is obvious. The, the m- motivation being that they are rebuilding and really doing it quickly, or, 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 or at least in theory. The, the amount of picks in the top three rounds they have next year is just staggering. I mean, they're just really stockpiling that. So now, obviously, those picks only mean so much if, if you hit on them. That's, that's the big trick, right? Uh, and, and they had a lot of young talent that, that came in this, this past draft with Peppers, Garrett, uh, and, and now they keep going forward doing that. Basically, it's, it's okay for the first time in a long time for Browns fans to feel hope. And now, and, and now they, they've had their spirit crushed so many times, though. Uh, and we, with the Chiefs, listen, it's, you know, Irving fell out of favor very quickly with, with the Browns. It's, it's a first-round pick that flopped. But the, the most valuable thing a backup offensive lineman can have is versatility and then, secondly, experience. And he's played all throughout the line. Uh, and, you know, when, when one member of that line goes down, you don't want it to, to really be crushing. So you, you could slide him in on the inside at, uh, at anywhere, whether it's center or guard. So that's, that he, he could be a sort of super sub, if you will. And Raglan just simply wasn't a fit 
for for what they're doing with with, with the Bills, right? He was, you know, with, with that new uh, system with 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 Sean McDermott, you know, proverbial square peg round hole, uh, and the, the Bills are right cleaning house too. So the the, the Chiefs pounced on an opportunity there as well. Absolutely. Uh, take me then to the Minnesota Vikings, and coming the news coming out of there sounded pretty positive about Teddy Bridgewater. Can you kind of get into that? Look, I, I know that, that, that Bradford's going to be the guy. There's no question about that. But does Bridgewater, at least with what you're hearing from the Vikings, look like he might be able to resurrect his career? You know, it, it, we, it, it, it's amazing that one year ago, it seemed when you had the ambulance pulling up and just these reports of absolute doom gloom from practice, uh, and a day of practice canceled because of it. It just it seemed like he would never recover. Then suddenly we have him in the spring. You know he's he's dropping back, planting on the leg. You know and it was it was by himself. Obviously there's there's no contact, but it just it's such an improbable comeback. And it's far beyond an ACL tear. He had needed and dislocated. So. Um, I, I, he's, he progressed so quickly. It's, it's, it's really remarkable. So I, I think that he, he, he certainly, uh, you know, turned his career around and, and brought it to a point that we can expect him to come back and, and contribute at some point. Um, you know, maybe as soon as later this year in a, in a backup role, perhaps, but it's, it's difficult to put a timetable on it. I, but at the very least, Teddy Bridgewater is, is going to be a factor at some point down the road for the Vikings, and that is really crazy. So your overview on the Vikings this year, where, where's your expectation levels Are you get ready to kick it off here next week? Where are you at on this Vikings team? Uh, it's, it's a team. Here's about where I'm at. I am, as a neutral observer, really jacked to watch Dalvin Cook. That's, you know, and... I, I, I said it a few times, and I don't think it, 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 it can be said enough. I think putting him in there really brings uh, the Vikings back to what they do well, just that sort of brand of Vikings offensive football that we got to know well during all the Adrian Peterson years. I'm not necessarily trying to compare Cook to Peterson. I wouldn't dare do that. But I'm just saying you need that power running back to really lower his shoulders and you know, and uh, and and plow over some people, and he he can do that. But he's also a good pass catcher at, at the backfield. And ideally, uh, yes, there were some improvements on the offensive line. But ideally, you have Cook to sort of take the pressure off Bradford, and and then everything sort of falls in place. You've got Diggs now maturing as well. Uh, he runs great routes, uh, and of course, up and down that that defense. When you have Daniel Hunter at you know getting uh, maturing too, uh, and then it's. It's it's a really solid secondary. I'm a little concerned about Trey Wayne's, but we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, you know, I, I I think they can really make some noise in in, the, in that division, and perhaps put, and perhaps push for a playoff spot. Okay, poor Trent's team is the Chicago Bears. Are they going to be as pathetic as most people say they're going to be with Mike Glennon at quarterback? Uh, listen, I, I I know it's it, it's some trying times for the for the Bears fans out there. I I think what you need to do is, as a fan, enter the season with with your eyes wide open and think about okay, this is not a season when when you're contending necessarily for for a playoff spot, but you need to look towards 2018. And I, I will say this though: what what stings though is 
as a fan, when you do that, you want to watch the young players and think, and then you use your imagination and think, all right, here's what they can do going forward. And it really sucks then when you see Cameron Meredith going down, uh, a, a young player who now is going to lose a full year of development and perhaps even a bit more. So uh, the the most positive thing I, uh, I could say is, you know, Mitch Trubisky is really surprised. Now, there's always the caveat that his his impressive play has taken place in the preseason against vanilla defenses and second, third, and team defenses, but I think he might play more or perhaps even much more than a lot of people, myself included, expected. I, I thought he would get a handful of games initially toward the end of the season, but uh, I think the leash might be shorter on Mike Glennon. Last thing, uh, less than a minute to go here with you, Sean. Take a look at the Packers for us. Is it Super Bowl or bust? Is that should be the expectation level for Green Bay? I think it has to be every year because I, I'm not trying to shorten Aaron Rodgers' career by any means. He's still got plenty of years left, but you just never know when that, how long that prime is going to be. And he's he's not getting younger, and you need to capitalize on it. You have one of the best quarterbacks, uh, and I'm not exaggerating in league history. So. Uh, you know, the, all the pieces are in place after you have Bennett. Um, you know, hopefully you have Cobb turning around. You know, he, I, I don't need to go through, through that list. So the, it, it's an explosive team, and uh, I, I think they can really, you know, lead the NFC. Sean, it's always good, pal, when we catch up with you. You have a great day, and let's get this party started beginning next week. Thank you, man. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. All right, that's Sean Tomlinson, Bleacher Report. The National Football League. Trent, uh, what, you and Wolf? I'm going to get rid of your ugly mug and bring in Wolfgang, another ugly mug, and uh, <laughs> we will take everybody up until 6 o'clock. We're, you know, he's a big fight fan, so he's excited to talk about the fight. We'll get his thoughts on that one. He's a UFC guy, so we'll talk a little bit about that, certainly. Going to talk some Cyclones. You and I, he's going to be up there Saturday at Jack Trice for that game. We'll talk Hawkeyes. We'll do it all coming up on the other side. This portion of the program brought to you by New Leaf Wellness. Are you looking to get back into the game, feel better, lose weight? Give a call today over at New Leaf Wellness. Wolfgang joins me on the other side. Welcome back, Jimmy B and TC. Back in your drive time. Happy to have you with us here on the Big Talker 1700. And as we like to do throughout the week, we bring in our man Wolfgang to talk a myriad of different things. We talk Hawkeyes, we talk Cyclones, we talk UFC. Before we get into the Hawks and Clones, Wolfgang, our first opportunity to talk since the big fight. You gave us your thoughts on Friday. At the very <laughs> least, I got my money's worth. That's all I was. I was happy that I got my money's worth and it wasn't over in two rounds. I'll be honest, you weren't going to get that if it wasn't for me. You said you were poo-pooing that whole thing the whole time. I said, get it, get your boys together, grill some hamburgers, have a few beers, and watch this fight because you will regret it if you don't get it. Are you? Were you not going to get that? Uh, we went to some friends that had it. They were already getting it. So okay, gotcha. I would have seen the fight regardless of you talking me into it. Uh, yeah, but I would not have, even after your great, great explanation of why I should be excited about the fight, no, I wouldn't have <laughs> bought it on my own. Plus, I'm too cheap. You know that, Wolfgang. I'm too cheap. Well, I work on radio. I don't got money. I know, and I heard you made some money off of it, right? <laughs> I did. I did. I, I beefed up the old online account a little bit. If that were legal, I'm just speaking in yeah, hypothetical. No, yeah, yeah. If it were legal, you would have done it. Right, yes, right. Absolutely, absolutely. I would have done that, and I would have made some money out of it. Right? Now, there right. is an angle here, Trent, that everybody is, 
you know, I watch this hardcore boxing and mm-hmm. uh, mostly MMA, but I, I do like boxing. And the reason I'm starting to hate boxing and probably will never give another dime, um, the storyline that is being overlooked is two of the three judges gave Conor McGregor only one round. So let's just say, let's just throw out there a stupid thing. Somebody got hurt. Let's say this was the rules in boxing. And somebody got hurt after three rounds from an illegal eye gouge or something. The power went out and they had to go to the scorecards. They're saying Floyd Mayweather would have won that fight after three rounds. I went around to everybody, eight people that were watching it. Every round for those first three rounds, I said, who won that? Everybody said Conor McGregor. Could you even see that Floyd even had a chance at getting that? No. What did you? I mean, that's bogus. Everybody is overlooking that stuff. This is why people hate boxing, because of the controversy, the bogus refing that went on there. He won three rounds for freaking sure, and then if you look at the fourth round, the punches were even. I haven't gone back to look at that, and then somebody said that a lot of people thought he won the eighth. The Showtime guy had the rounds at five to four going into the tenth. The Showtime guy with Floyd Mayweather had Connor up five to four, meaning he probably had him first, second, third, fourth, mm-hmm. and eighth. Right. Five to four. And the judges, two of the three judges had Connor winning one round. There is nobody that I heard on your show or any of the national shows or any of ESPN, Fox, CBS, whatever. Everybody agreed he won those first three. That's a problem, Trent, when you have to fork out money to watch a fight when you don't know, like if it goes to the buzzer, if it goes to the end, if it goes to the 12th, who they're going to pick. That's just annoying. I mean, UFC has had a couple problems, but the, the boxing, they are so rigged. It's such a joke. And did you see the ref looking at Connor explaining uh, the rules only to Connor for that whole minute? Looking straight at him, never looked, even at Floyd Mayweather. You didn't see some of the things I saw, Trent. I'm telling you, you didn't see some of this. I'm a little sensitive to this crap, but if you don't think, I'll just ask you as a guy, an outsider that didn't care, you wanted Floyd. Did Floyd win one of the first three rounds? Maybe the third. Maybe the okay. third. That, I'll go back and watch it. Yeah. And, you know, I so I put my money down on Floyd to get it done. And through the first two rounds, I said, uh-oh, A, McGregor looked like a real boxer. And secondly, Floyd looked slow early on. Now, he, he <clears> turned <throat> it on, but he looked for him, for what you're used to seeing. If you ever seen Floyd, you know, box before, he looked old. he looked like forty hit him with a, a two by four across the head, you know Tommy Boy style. He, he got absolutely walloped by by the old stick, but he came back. He did his thing, and well, yeah, you know. When the thing I love to hear, I heard you with uh, Ken Miller, obviously on from uh, twelve to two now with you. Mm-hmm. I think you had a he works for the uh, Vegas Group or whatever. What are, what are they called? Uh, CG Technology. Okay, and I, I I believe the guy said after the third round, you can bet mid fight and mid. Sports now, which is just insane. That sounds so awesome. But I think he said it was minus two twenty or something like that after the third round. Floyd was a favorite, only minus two twenty. Mm-hmm. Holy crap! Did you ever decide putting on money on there if you would have done it? I, if it were legal, of course. If, if it were legal, yeah. No, I I stayed away with the the in fight wagering. I stayed away from that one. So uh, prob- you know, even as good as as Connor, I was just proud of him. I was just proud of him. This isn't his sport. UFC is his sport. He killed Floyd Mayweather in under. I told you probably a minute and a half if mm-hmm. they fought in UFC. But I'm even after three rounds, I still knew. I mean, we were excited. We were pumped. I don't know anybody that had a fight party that didn't have fun. I don't know anybody. I've talked to so many people that were like poo-pooing it and then decided to do it. People in our family that were like, oh, I don't get fighting. I don't get it. 
decided to do it and loved it and had fun. But when you have to worry about an outcome of a game, it's just annoying, man. It's just, it's just, I'm not giving another dime, but if you want to invite me over, Trent, I will bring apps and maybe uh, some burgers or something, but I will never pay a dime again yeah. for boxing. I, I heard you're a good cook, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> yeah, you bet, you bet. Yeah, two two guys that won't pay for a fight getting together. I guess we'll be <laughs> we'll be watching a, a blue screen back behind us. With that, Wolfgang, it's football week. We made it, and uh, a couple of things. Let's start with the Cyclones as you and I makes their way. They've won two out of the last three games against the Cyclones. I get the feeling the most everybody feels like this one's going to be different. Away from the Cyclone perspective, which normally feels, well, of course we should beat you and I, though it hasn't happened, two of the last three times they faced off. This does feel different, I think, from the outside. You know, the local level here, people away from Iowa State a little bit further. You and I is going through a whole transformation, a new coaching staff basically under Mark Farley, only a couple of holdovers there. We're going to see what they have. Eli Dunn takes over quarterback. He played a lot late last season. But uh, this UNI team feels a little bit different. I think there's a growing curve there. And for Iowa State, certainly they can't afford to lose this game. Exactly where I was going to go with this, okay? And I've been listening to you guys with your new time slots. It's been fun to listen to um, Ken Miller and then uh, you and then also Jimmy B. Um but I think you guys have kind of overlooked it a little bit and haven't brought it up quite as much. Not as not that you haven't brought it up, but I I think there's a ton of pressure on Iowa State, and I don't think that's been talked about enough. If they do not beat up you and I, and if Matt Campbell, your guy, the guy that you said you would buy stock on mm-hmm. earlier in the year, mm-hmm. that was your guy, that was your boy that you'd buy stock on, if he loses to you and I in front of 60,500 people for the second year in a row, and basically throws away a season, and we'll pretty much know if they lose to UNI, it's over. It's not necessarily over because they got a 50-50 shot at Iowa, but there is a lot of pressure on Iowa State to win this game, and it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be at the game in a box for the first time I've ever gone to a game in a box. I'm so excited to go to Jack Trice, see what it's about. I have not been to Jack Trice since 97, I believe, and then 98 Iowa State started uh, started winning, and it's been 50-50 pretty much ever since then. So I'm excited to feel if there's a buzz about the Matt Campbell second year, or if there's, you always, you can always sense that in a crowd if they're scared. I'm very interested to see what the feeling is like. It's just like, you can't explain it, but I I remember just going to certain games where there's a buzz and then you can feel like scared. I'm interested to see what the Iowa State at Jack Trice, what it feels like for this game, because if they don't win it, I mean, there's, that's a problem, Trent. And I think it needs to be talked about more. There is pressure. Yeah, the pressure angle, you're right. It's not something that, that I thought about, and it's a really good point because you know, if you and I are able to go out there and they land a couple of body blows early on and you get into the third quarter and it's still a football game, you're right. That's going to be pressure. You know, Iowa State hasn't been in this spot where the expectations have been raised up under Matt Campbell and, and everything that's going to go along with that. I think it's a good point. It's still... An inexperienced team, you know, the guys up front that we talked about, some of the junior college guys uh, that have come in both on the defensive line and a careful kid over on the offensive line. Yeah, they played college football, but they haven't played in a level like this. And you got a learning curve that you have to go through. I, I think it's a good point and something that I certainly hadn't thought about. You and I has to withstand the early on, you know, what's going to happen, making plays down the field with those big receivers. Can they keep up in that direction? That'll be a part of it, but hey, you bring up a good one, Wolfgang. Point for you. Good work, my man. 
Yeah, cue David Bowie's pressure, okay? Or uh, And then what uh, Vanilla Ice ended up ripping off yes, later yes. and made millions off of, uh, of Ice Ice Baby or whatever that was. Um, but, yeah, if you look at it, it's um, – we're talking to, like, a cyclone guy that knows his bleep is, is – I don't, I don't want to go too far because I, I didn't ask him if I could say this stuff. But uh, he knows his Iowa State stuff and gives tons of money. And he's just talking about it. All the Iowa State fans have them winning six or seven games. They have them winning this game. Um, I asked him about the offensive line. He knows his stuff. This is the first time I've really talked to him, so I don't know if he's full of crap. He's not. He's a great guy. He's a nice guy. But he may, you know, be drinking the Cyclone Kool-Aid. But like most of the media, picking Iowa State to win six to seven games, from what I understand. And he was telling me, you know, I kept bringing up the offensive line. Now, how's the offensive line look? He said they're going to be fine. They're going to absolutely be fine. He's a little more worried about the defensive line. Yeah. Which, which surprised me, and I've been reading some articles lately on that, and that seems to back up what he's saying. They seem to be happy with they have more bodies on the defensive line, but do they have as much experience as they want? But the O-line he seems to be fairly happy about, and if you've got a freaking decent offensive line and a quarterback park that's going to be a stud, the wide receivers that I'm going to have my binoculars on all day, I'm hearing about all these guys that are just, Butler, I guess it's just a freaking stud. Obviously, we know Lazard. I want to watch him just to see, you know, what round do we think he's going to go in the NFL in? You know, do we think? And then Deshante Jones, they keep bringing this guy up, the freshman from last year, and he's not even starting. I mean, are they that good where they're hyping up like a Deshante Jones, a freshman from last year, and he's not even starting? They're that good at the wide receiver position. Another thing he told me um, that I haven't read anything or heard anything, but – they are a lot stronger than they were before Matt Campbell got there. Mm-hmm. I think he said something to the effect of there were only two or three guys that benched 400 pounds when Matt Campbell got there, and now they're 17 or 18. Wow. Okay, that's not an exact quote or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Whether bench pressing equates to wins, no, obviously not necessarily. But that's, I mean, you'd rather bench 400 than 225, you know. Right. So, it, I mean, it's obviously improving in the weight room. Um, so, you know, I know I know Chris Doyle isn't a huge bench press guy from what I understand, but I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Two to 17 or 18 guys benching 400 for Iowa State. Yeah, a couple of your points there. I agree on the offensive line. What, what Tom Manning, the offensive coordinator and also the offensive line coach, what he did with that group last year, he was playing three redshirt seniors that really hadn't played throughout their career and turned them by the middle of the year into a pretty solid offensive line. He's got more pieces to work with this year. Campo's back with health. Sean Foster thought maybe he was going to play as a true freshman last year, was able to redshirt. I think they're developing depth. The Kniffle kid I mentioned a little bit earlier who came over from Iowa Western, I think he has a chance to be really good. Good Jones and Meeker both played last year's redshirt freshman, now in their redshirt sophomore years. I think overall, Tom Manning, for me, gets the benefit of the doubt that he's going to be able to make an offensive line that's going to be good. And to the wide receivers, I love Deshante Jones. And Trevor Ryan's a starter ahead of him, but he's going to be playing a lot, you know, that slot position. And you do even mention two other guys in the wide receiver group. Matt Eaton, a kid that comes in from junior college, another huge receiver, six foot four. A lot of people liked him coming out of JUCO. And Marchie Burdock, who transferred last year, got in very late from Illinois. Took a while for him to get acclimated, but I've heard a lot of good things from him in camp. The depth that they have at wide receiver, it, it's something we've seen them have a good couple receivers, you know, having a group of two, three guys, but nothing like the depth that they have here. Coupled with an offensive line, coupled with Jacob Park back after shaking off the rust a year ago, this offense has a chance to be really good, but 
I still just have so many questions about that defensive side of the ball. No matter how excited you are about Matt Leo and Ray Lima, the junior college guys coming in, or Joe Lanning playing middle linebacker, those kind of things, there's still plenty of question marks. To me, a big part, too, Kamari Katmoya injured a lot last year. He's a really good player. If he's mm-hmm. healthy out there throughout the whole time, they got Reggie Wilkerson, a kid that comes in from Georgia as a grad transfer. They got some pieces over there. The cornerbacks are solid with Payne and Peavy. But up front, what do they get out of that front three, front four? That still remains the big question for me because if that isn't fixed, it's still going to be a defense that's going to give up big chunks of yards. Yeah, and you and I have won two or three. I think they've won, have they won, what, four maybe over the last how many years, ten years? Two, three or four, I think, over the last ten years. So they have to win. Am I saying they have to win this game to get to a bowl game? No, they have to go two and one is what I'm saying. But there is pressure to win this game because after this game, if they do not beat you and I, there's going to be a meltdown. It's Big 12 versus Missouri Valley Trent. 60,500 people sold out going to be there, including myself. They've got to beat you and I. And I love you and I. I love rooting for you and I. But I, to be honest with you, it makes our job much more fun if Iowa State. We're not talking a ton of you and I football, Trent. We're not. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. We'll we'll give them you know a uh, you know talk weekly about them what game they yeah. have going on. We'll we'll have Rhyme or Farley on something like that every yeah. week. But yeah, the the talkers are Iowa Iowa State and Iowa State's zero and one. It, it puts a little bit of damper on Cy Hawk Week if that happens, and and then it makes a little more neg- negativity from the Hawkeye side. Oh, great, we're playing this team. We've seen this before. But that is a conversation for next week. We wrap up here, Wolfgang. With your thoughts on the Hawkeyes, as the season is upon us, well, I'm going to throw it to you. What is this team going to do? Your official record, your prediction for the season is? I got eight wins. Eight okay. wins. A okay. uh, little worried about the quarterback thing after the interview I saw yesterday with uh, it's the Nate. I heard you and Jimmy B talking about Nate versus Nathan. <laughs> so it's, when he throws an interception, it's Nathan. When he uh, throws an incomplete, it's Nathan. When he throws a touchdown pass, it's Nate. When he uh, you know runs for a first down, it's Nate. Uh, so we'll we'll get that straight throughout the uh, the year. Um, he didn't look very comfortable in his interview. That worries me a little bit. Okay. Now I'm trying to go back on that because he's a second year guy, starting his sophomore, his true sophomore year. But I'm sitting there looking at CJB in an interview the other day and looking at him in a picture, and I remember just how cool he was, calm with the media. But we didn't get to see CJB do his media as a second-year guy with the media. So we don't know how he got. You get confidence as you go along and you experience things. This was probably one of his first times ever, if not his first time, in front of 10 media people barraging him with questions. He answered them fine, but he did look nervous. That worries me a little bit. His, His not being vocal in the huddle worries me a little bit. I don't think you have to be crazy vocal. Joe Montana wasn't crazy vocal, but he was Joe Cool. And you got confidence just by looking at him. And you got confidence just by looking. I'm not saying CJB is Joe Montana. But you just look, you feel confident when you looked at CJB. I didn't feel confident yesterday looking at Nathan Stanley. Is that weird? Am I, am I just totally just over-analyzing this to death? No, no. You, you are the guy that looks at body language, confidence. Those are the things that kind of are in your wheelhouse, Wolfgang. I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, we will see about that. With that, Wolfgang, 8-4 and four is what you have out of this team. And I'm coming away your round of thinking. You know, I, I was at 6-6 six and six throughout most of the summer. I like to stay with what I do in the summer. 
I think I'm coming your way. I think the front seven. You may go seven to five. I'm I'm smelling it. I'm smelling it. (laughs) Well, seven to five is fine. Eight and four, you know, same same kind of vanilla kind of Iowa football season. But if you couple that with a big win, you beat a Penn State and Ohio State, go on the road to beat Wisconsin, and you get to eight and four, I think you're feeling pretty good about that. But, you know, if it's uh, 3-0 and in the non-conference, you beat Michigan State, Illinois, Purdue, Minnesota, Northwestern, and you lose to the heavyweights on there, that might be a little more hollow of an 8-4. and four. But I know what you mean, but yeah. beating Michigan State never gets old, Trent. I will never, <laughs> never poo-poo a win against that idiot. Uh, another D'Antonio hater. Wolfgang, just like that, we're out of time. Uh-huh. It goes fast, my man. I know, it does. I does. We'll talk, uh, what, Mondays and Thursdays, you think? Yeah, Mondays and Thursdays is when we'll start off. We're off Monday because of Labor Day, but we'll try to grab you one more time this week. I'll, I'll let you know at the very least. We'll talk with you next week, and we will have a sure. real actual football game to talk about uh, when we talk next uh, week. How about that? Uh, a real actual, football game. Oh, it's game week. Actual football, and we don't have to pretend like we know what the second-string linebacker from A&M is going to look like. <laughs> Thank you, Trent. Appreciate that. Be good, Wolfgang. Bye-bye. That's Wolfgang. You can find him on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. He will be up in Ames on Saturday night for you and I and Iowa State. That does it for the show today. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. Love the new time slots that we have. We were talking about that a little bit with Wolfgang. New to two each and every day. Ken Miller and myself talking sports with you. And then here in drive time from 4 until 6 o'clock, Jimmy B and TC. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon. Have a good evening, everybody.